Well, it is great to be here. I'm blessed. I love this church. I love this region. Obviously, many of you would know I was pastoring Wyala up until the start of 2016 and started there in 2011. And God spoke to me at the end of 2010 that in my post-pastoral years that I'd be teaching at Bible College. And so I thought, well, I need to do something about that. I need some further qualifications. So I began what was called a Doctor of Ministry degree and uh, began that journey in 2015. Then the principal of Alpha Crucis spoke to me. I was on the executive uh, vice president uh, in the role that Rob now holds. And um, Steve Fogarty came and said, look, Daryl, we don't have anyone at college that has over 30 years ministry experience and doctoral qualifications. So would you come and teach and take over our ministry area? And so I felt, well, that was in tune with what God had told me before I started my doctorate. And so I went there and then uh, changed my doctorate into more what was called a more academic field and so became a PhD and uh, completed that last year in 2018, about 18 months ago. And so um, I'm still Daryl, I'm still a tradie like Rob. Um, I did an apprentice, apprenticeship as a tool maker in the 70s, and married my wife and then went to Bible college. I never ever planned to be a doctor or an academic. In fact, I'm still not an academic, I'm a pracademic. I believe in practical stuff, not sort of just uh, brain stuff, um, just academic stuff. As I used that scripture before, knowledge puffs up but love edifies. Uh, one translation says love builds up. And so we just don't want knowledge for knowledge's sake. We want knowledge to be able to build people up, mixing it with love, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so that people's lives are built. I've got a couple of prospectuses here as well that talks about all the different courses that our college offer. And so from uh, Alpha Cruz's point of view, there's a whole lot of different courses you can do. So it's not just um, Bible college and ministry. There's courses in regard to education. Some people have started, done their Bachelor of Ministry, then gone on and done a Master's in Teaching and our college do a master's in teaching. There's uh, business degrees, there's social science degrees. Some people are doing degrees that want to become social workers, but from a Christian perspective, a Christian worldview, and uh, ministry and theology as well. And so uh, in that prospectus, you'll, pro you'll find on page 11, uh, one of our students, Thomas Bowman, uh, an in um, a graduate in, with our bachelor's degree and they're sort of doing an interview with him and then they say, so which lecturer do you think best integrated faith and vocation? And this is Thomas's response, Daryl Potts. In introduction to pastoral ministry was a perfect mix of experience and theory. Such a great pastor and he brought his lived experiences together with theory and presented in class fresh out of the oven. As I um, am in a unique multicultural church, Daryl helped me to contextualize what I was learning so that it was useful in my church context. And so just for that, you need one of these so that you can, you've got that. But um, I'll, we've only got a few because I could only bring a few in my luggage. However, I'll get some more sent. And so, but I encourage you, 
um, to continue to grow. You know, again, not for knowledge's sake, but for growth's sake. You want to grow in the things of God. So let me turn this on. I'm not sure if we can bring up my PowerPoint. And so my message today is made for growth. We've been created not to stagnate, not to stop, but to continue to grow. In our growth, there are times when as we're growing, you know, it's quite interesting. We've been worshipping God. And if you've been hanging around me for the last couple of days, I've been in agony. I'm waiting on a hip replacement operation, been in total agony and hobbling around. We're just worshipping God in God's presence and I'm pain-free right now. I'm just not hobbling around. Don't need my walking stick. And it's amazing. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing brings power and healing. And God's presence is in this place. That was the worship team. Beautiful, anointed worship. A couple of times I just wanted to weep. It was just very powerful in God's presence. And and so sometimes we take for granted what God has given us, the gifts we've got. But I want to tell you, you've got an awesome worship team that are anointed, that bring the presence of God, usher in the touch of God. Anyway, let's, let's get on to this scripture. So I'm going to read, and I've put a, this scripture up here in 2 Kings 1 verse 2, and then we'll go all the way to verse 7. And so one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Next, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them and they arrived at the Jordan. They began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. And when he showed him the place... Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. Verse 1, they come to Elisha and they say, as you see, this place where we meet with you is too small. In regard to growing, there's a sense at times in our lives where we feel cramped, where we feel like we want to sort of expand, where we feel like, God, I just don't want to stay in this place. In fact, the Hebrew word for small in this particular scripture is a word T-S-A-R, tsar, which means a narrow place, a tight place, a, an opponent as in being crowded in, an adversary as, as experiencing affliction, anguish, distress, a, a sense of narrowness, smallness, tribulation and trouble. And so they're saying, we're not comfortable where we are. We don't want to just stay cramped, uh, restricted, limited. We want more room to grow. We want more room to move forward in God. Some people sort of think, well, I don't really want to move forward with God because it sort of caught up. The Aussie way is the tall poppy syndrome. You know, if anyone sort of sticks their head out and sort of stands above the, above the crowd, everyone's going to find a way to pull them down. We find in our church in Australia, our, uh, when Brian Houston, they step out and do great things. Well, the media are trying to find things. How can we pull this person down? Our prime minister, people are trying to find things behind the scenes. How do we pull him down? Our celebrities and so on. So the tall poppy syndrome actually at times limits us because we think 
well, if I step out and become, people are going to call me super spiritual or, or, you know, if I step out and start believing God. I remember growing up in the youth group I grew up with and, and feeling, God, I just want more of you. But, but my friends, I know they're going to call me super spiritual. I know they're going to sort of try and hold me back. I know they're going to rubbish me. And I remember in this particular camp we were at, and I really wanted to touch God and I'm holding back because I, I didn't want to have the tall poppy syndrome and, and my friends were quite cynical. We're in 16, 17 and I thought, blow this, I'm just leaving them behind. I'm going forward to the altar. I went forward to the altar for God to touch me and I looked sideways. All of a sudden my friends are at the altar. So they weren't wanting to hold me back. They were just like me, frightened of stepping out themselves. They need someone to lead them, someone to break through and break the ice in a sense. And so sometimes, you know, there's a Chinese proverb, he who stick head above crowd get hit with brick, you know. And so we're sort of frightened of getting hit with a brick. And so we don't want to stick our head about the crowd. But to grow, you've got to say, who cares? I want to go forward. I don't want people to limit me. I don't want people to hold me back from what God has for me. Sometimes it's a past failure phobia. Well, I had a go before and it didn't work out. So I don't think I want to try again. But what if I fail? My question is, but what if you succeed? Not what if you fail. If you've never made a mistake, you've never made anything. You know, there's times people fail forwards and they, they learn from their failures and they keep growing and moving forward. And so I want to encourage you, don't let past failures, in a sense, influence your future successes. Otherwise, they just hold you and you stay limited in that place where you think, I don't want to stay here, but I'm frightened of moving forward. What if it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out? What if I fail? But what if you succeed the bible says and we see that scripture up there isaiah 54 2 and 3 enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings do not spare lengthen your cords strengthen your stakes for you will expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited i want to tell you when you step out and generations after you will follow you in fact the generations that follow us, like my son and my daughter and so on, I want them to be more successful, not in the sense of money, but in the sense of ministry, in the sense of fruitfulness than I am. My parents grew up, you know, my dad left school at the age of 12, my mum left school at the age of 13, and um, they went from a Christian home, but they became, whoops, Christians as um, quite early in their lives. And uh, they used to just say, Daryl, whatever you do, God will bless it. If you want to be a garbage collector, God will bless that. If you want to be a tool maker, God will bless that. You know, I actually didn't want to be a tool maker. I wanted to be a mechanic, but I couldn't get a, an apprenticeship as a mechanic, so I became a tool maker. Whatever you do, because the Bible says, whatever you put your hand to, do it with all your might. In I think it's Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. And so there's a sense of just if you give it your heart and soul, God will bless it. So whatever you want to do, Put your hand to it. Don't be frightened of anything because God will be with you. And so there's that sense. When I went to Bible college after leaving school at year 10, doing an apprenticeship and doing a diploma, I remember how nervous I felt. Well, I haven't studied for years and how am I going to do this and, and so on. But again, you just do your assignments one word at a time. And you do the next word and the next word and the next sentence and the next paragraph. And eventually you get it. 
and you'd push that button to submit your assignments and what relief I could do it. At the start, I didn't think I could do it. When I wrote a 100,000-word thesis, I did it one word at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One word at a time. And so just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep plugging. And I was saying to Rob, we were sitting at college and there's a bunch of PhD guys in this circle at lunchtime. And this guy said, look around this table. He said, we're not the smartest chips off the block, are we? He said, but we've got PhDs because we didn't give up. We just kept going. The next word, the next word, the next concept, the next thing, the next bit of research. And so in the sense, don't let failure keep you small, but step out and take the initiative. And so realize, firstly, you need to grow. God wants you to grow. He wants you to progress. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be a person of influence, increase. And so the Bible says in Psalm 84 verse 7 that God's people go from strength to strength. Not strength to weakness, it's not going backwards, but strength to greater strength. And in um, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're transformed from glory to glory. Not glory to, you know, failure, but glory to glory. Now, we live in a world where the enemy doesn't want us to succeed. He'll do everything he can where he wants us to fail. He doesn't want us to finish. Rob spoke about people that not only started but finished. There are some people here that have started in the past. God wants you to finish. When I did my apprenticeship, halfway through it, I felt the call of God. And I was about 18, just turned 18. And I said to my parents, I just want to go to Bible college. I was two years into a four-year apprenticeship. And my father said, well, do you think God would want you to start something and not finish? Finish your apprenticeship and then go to Bible college if you still feel that sense of call. So I finished my apprenticeship. Fortunately, a couple of months after making that decision, okay, I won't go to college yet. I'm going to finish my apprenticeship. Um, I met this beautiful lady named Elaine and started going out with her. Had I not and gone to Bible college, I wouldn't have met Elaine. And so I'd sort of finished what I started and then got married. And then, you know, nine months after I got married, we both went to Katoomba where the Bible college was at that time. And so there's a sense of, but God has a purpose and transforms us from glory to glory. He's a completer. The Bible says in Philippians 1 verse 6, he will complete that which he has begun in you. And so he wants to complete what he begins in our lives. And so, so realize you need to, for growth. Every one of us, if you're breathing today, put your hand up. Okay, there's a few of you that are breathing. We might need to call the undertaker in in a moment. Um, but the fact you're breathing means that there's more that God has for you to grow into the things of God. There's something, you know, we have some people in our college, one guy who was a Salvation Army captain or officer and so on, in his mid-70s and started doing a Bachelor of Ministry. And he's now completed that. His name is Ron, came to Israel with us last time we went. And I'll tell you what, he was fitter than I was. We're going up these hills and, Ron, wait for me, wait. You know? and, uh, and completed his bachelor's and is currently doing a master's degree. And so he hasn't allowed his age, you know, really you've got to forget your age and live your life. And just do what God has called you to do. When I started my doctorate at the age of 50, my mum used to say, what are you studying at your age? Yes, you've done studying. I said, mum, in five years' time, I'll be 55. And if the Lord allows me to live to 55, or I could be 55 
with a doctorate. And God's told me that in my post-pastoral years, I'll be teaching a Bible college, so I need to get qualified. Yeah, but you know, you should know enough now. No, well, I need to do it. And so five years now, eight years later, I've got this doctorate that took more than five years, took six or six and a bit. But the reality of it is, is now I look back and go, wow, that's gone. But I'd still be my age with or without a doctorate. So I decided, well, I'll let time take its course and, and here I go. So realizing you need to grow. The, prophet, the company of the prophet said that where we are is too small. We're cramped, we're constrained, we're limited. It's not really nice rolling over and there's another prophet in your face. You know, we, we need room. And so they took, they realized their need to grow and they, they wanted to. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, the kingdom uh, of God advances forcefully in the New International Version and forceful people take hold of it. There's, the kingdom of God is continuing to progress in the things of God. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 2, God speaks to Joshua and says, Now, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. The past is in the past. Now, therefore, arise and take this proper land. Lead these people into the promised land. And so the word arise there actually in the Hebrew actually means taking hold of that which natural circumstances would tell you otherwise. Because they're standing at the Jordan. It seems impossible. How are we going to get across here? It's in flood stage. And God says, arise and lead these people. Arise, take hold of that which natural circumstances will tell you otherwise. Seems impossible. Have a go. Step out in faith. Move forward. Follow me in obedience. And sometimes in our own lives we think, well, I don't think I can do it. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit and say, God, with you I can do all things. I'm going to step out. I need to grow. Sometimes we think, well, you know, sometimes the things that make us angry are a bit of an indication of what God's saying to us. So I used to get mad, you know, about certain things and then I'd sort of complain to God and God says, well, what are you doing about that? God, why is there good preaching? Well, why don't you do some preaching? Not that my preaching is that great. But, you know, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Well, don't sit and criticize. Step up to the mark. Realize if, if it's going to be, it's got to be me. If you're putting it on my heart, you're stirring my heart, I'm going to step into something. And so if you're passionate about children's ministry, well, don't just get mad and criticize the kids or whatever running around the church and say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to get trained. I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to get the spirit of the church and then I'm going to give my life to help raising up. My mum would tell me when she was a Sunday school teacher and I mentioned someone, oh yeah, he was in my Sunday school class. Oh, that person, yeah, she was in my Sunday school class. You know, when my mum was 15, 16, 17 and all these people had become pastors and she was part of their journey on that particular journey. And you don't realize the gold that you have in the children's church and so on. It may be you're passionate about senior people will say, God, I'm going to make myself available to go minister. Now, we used to go into the seniors' halls and lead hymns and do all sorts of stuff. And so many people we were able to lead to the Lord. Most of them would have tears in their eyes because when I left church and when I was you know, a teenager and didn't want to go to church anymore, but we used to sing those hymns and, and then they're crying and lead them back and say, well, Jesus is still here. 
who's still real. You can give your life to him and so on. And so whatever is stirring in your heart, just sort of say, well, God, if you're stirring something, rather than me getting mad or frustrated, maybe that's a bit of a signal that I need to get prepared to do something about that. I need to step out in that. If you want to grow, realize and step out into that. The next point is take the initiative to grow. They, they go to Elisha. Elisha didn't take the initiative. They go to Elisha and said, you know, let's go to the Jordan where each can get a pole and let us build a place and so on. And then they said to Elisha, won't you come with us as well? We're taking the initiative, but you're the man of God. We also don't want to do something in a rebellious sense. We want to have your covering. We want to have your support in what we're doing. And so they took that initiative rather than just, again, waiting when the Holy Spirit leads. Take the initiative, but also in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Commit those thoughts to your pastor, to your leader, and just say, look, this is what God's stirring. Can you support me? Can you give me wisdom? Can you give me some insight into that? And so Elisha went along with them, but they're the ones that actually took the initiative. As I said, God stirred in my heart that in your post-pastoral years, you're going to be teaching at Bible college. So then I took the initiative, initially went to Tabor College Adelaide and enrolled in a doctor of ministry program and and was going along that journey and then went to Alpha Crucis and, and upgraded that to a PhD. And so, but it was my initiative when God said, this is what's going to happen. Some people, I, I've been around people that, you know, in our 20s um, would, yeah, God's called me. And so what are you doing about that? I'm waiting till he calls me. I said, but you said he's called you and you're believing for ministry. Some of those people are still sitting on their hands. You know, one guy... You know, smoking and drinking, and but God's called me to ministry. Well, what are you doing about that? Why don't you stop the smoking and stop the drinking and start getting your life right and stop? Oh, well, when God really shows me, I'll put all that aside. No, now, when I was doing my apprenticeship and God called me, God said, you're a pastor now. You're not a pastor just then. You've got to live as a pastor now. When you're doing your apprenticeship, had the opportunities to lead four of my fellow apprentices to the Lord. Recently, we had a reunion with some of the guys I went to school with, hadn't seen for over 40 years. And one guy who went to high school with me and did an apprenticeship with me. And at the end, everyone left. He says, Daryl, I really need to talk to you about my spiritual life. And so he sat down. He wanted assurance of his salvation. He just recently recommitted his life to the Lord after all these years later and so on. And so there's a sense of of taking that initiative. There's a sense of saying, God, I'm just not waiting. I'm, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to see what you can do as a result of that. The third point with these guys, oh, let me go to this point here. So what is your log? Let's go and get a log. Everyone has different gifts. My gift at the moment, my role, my responsibility, my log is raising up future pastors and ministers. And so that's my whole role in lecturing and and online and relating to students that are called to ministry and so on. Um, but at one stage, my log was to be a youth pastor. You know, another stage before that, when I felt called of God, my log was to hand out hymn books. We don't have hymn books anymore. We have um, um, fluid gender books, not just hymn books. No. Um, anyway. That's a dad joke. We'll just leave that uh, at the side. 
But it was sort of like, what can I do for God? You know, where can I do something for the kingdom? Find out what your log is that you're adding to the larger kingdom and the purposes of God. Now, obviously, the people on this stage this morning leading worship, they're, they're building their log into the kingdom. They've gone and got their log and they're saying, we're cutting down our log, what we've got, what God's gifted us and called us to do, we're going to do it, bring the presence of God into the house of God. And so ask yourself, God, what's my log? What is my place? What is my purpose at this particular time so I can find what you've called me to do? But understand, as they were cutting down logs, the axe flew off the handle. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. Sometimes the unexpected happens. We have an enemy. We have an enemy that says, where do you think you're going? What do you think you're doing? Well, I'm building the kingdom of God. No, you're not. I'm going to make things a little difficult. Has anyone ever found that the Christian life is not always easy? It's always good, but it's not always easy. And the enemy comes in and he wants to pull down. You know, he's, where do you think you're going? You're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. For my wife and I, at times when we take steps of faith, something always happened to our car. We had almost a head-on car accident once, and one day I'm off to Burma, and my first missionary trip over there, and on, when we're driving over there, and uh, this car smashes into the back. My wife was saying, oh, so good, you've got to be away a couple of weeks, I'm going to have the car all to myself. And so as we're driving over, someone smashes into the back of the car. We limped the car to the airport in Melbourne, and uh, then she limped it back, took it to pedal beaters for two weeks. They took it to fix the car and just fixed it in time to pick me up from the airport and bring me back. Another time I went to Burma when I was in Adelaide. And um, the day after um, I left, our house was totally robbed and, um, and all of our belongings, everything was taken. And so it's like the enemy says, well, you want to do something, I'm going to come and slap you. I'm going to give you a hard time in that. But the Bible says in um, Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper, says the Lord. In Joshua 1, 5, when God's saying to Joshua, you know, lead these people into the promised land, it says no one will be able to stand against you. Now, there were people standing against you, but not successfully because God is on your side. But there will be things happening. Proverbs 15, 24 says the path of the righteous winds upwards. And so we're going from strength to strength. But there's a few twists and curves in that that you've got to negotiate. You've got to, you know, all of a sudden you're winding upwards. So make sure I don't go over the edge. We've got to negotiate that curve and negotiate that situation. A few potholes along the way. Not potholes, but potholes. Uh, along the way and so there's a sense in that when you're stepping out be prepared that we do have an enemy that doesn't want you you know stuff happens and some people want to spiritualize maybe you're in out of the will of God no maybe it's a sign that you're doing the will of God and the enemy's trying to stop you doing what God has called you to do in 1 Peter 4 12 dear friends don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you Peter's saying to the church, don't be surprised. There's an enemy. There's people that don't know God and, and maybe they don't realize they've been uh, vehicles of the enemy. But the fact is that they will try and attack you. They'll try and pull you down. You see with the media that the church has never been under so much attack for what we stand for. 
for the biblical principles that we stand for. And so don't be surprised, but at the same time, don't let that stop you. And so be prepared for a miracle. So he goes to the man of God. Isn't it great he invited the man of God to come with them? And it says to the man of God, Elisha says, where did it fall? Showed him the place. He, he cut a stick and threw it there, and a miracle happened. The iron had flown. I'm really impressed with this guy that borrowed an axe because he wanted to be part of this thing. Some people say, well, well, I don't have what it takes. Well, borrow it, you know. Right where you're sitting now, ask the person for their purse or their wallet and see if you can borrow some money off them. So to pay your bills this week. But um, take the initiative. But he borrowed. He just thought, well, I don't have what it takes, but I want to be part of this. So sometimes you've got to get fee help to be able to help you, a fee help loan if you want to do further study and so on. You've got to sort of take some steps of faith. It's really interesting. When it comes to Christian things, people don't want to pay for things in, in the church. We had a lady in our church, not in Wyala, another church I was pastoring in, um, for a, a ladies group. My wife would put on all these creative things and she just charged $5 a head. But the men had a, a sausage sizzle. It was only $2 a head. So she comes and says, how come the men only have to pay $2 and I have to pay $5? And so I said to her, I said, look, here, here's five bucks. You know, I'll shout. Yeah. And then I find out she's having this incredibly expensive holiday. And then she's going to the movies that are a lot more than $5. And she's, she's doing all this stuff. But when it comes to the church, why should we have to pay more money because it's a church, you know? And the reality of it is, is, hey, you know, it's sowing. You're sowing into your own life. If you're going to borrow, maybe you use your credit card a little bit. Sow into the kingdom of God. I'm not just saying go into incredible debt. But I'm saying fee help offer opportunities for people to study. And there's opportunities at times for you to step out in faith. When I went to Bible college, I was on tradesman's wages. And all of a sudden, I get this rise once I got married. The boss gave me a rise. And then I went to Bible college. We didn't have fee help. We didn't have us study. And it was like where God guides, he provides. And so we had to go to Katoomba, believing God would save all we could Believing God would provide and, and take us through that. And someone once said to me, well, I'd like to be a pastor. I only work on Sundays. And I said, you know what? The easiest jobs are the hardest to get. And so I said, if you want my job, well, in those days I was on maybe $20,000 a year. So three years of that plus $10,000, it's a lot more than that for college fees these days. Ten thousand dollars in three years, seventy thousand dollars. Give me seventy thousand bucks, you can have my job. Oh no, I'm not doing that. Well, that's what it costs me at that stage, in similar amounts these days, and you know, be a whole lot more money than that. And so, you know, the easiest jobs are the hardest to get. Well, you know, we we don't work even on Sundays unless we just come to church. So, don't know what they're talking about. But you know, people say, well, what do you do as a pastor? Well, I drink coffee. I, play golf and have an afternoon sleep and, uh, and so it's a great life so but be ready for the miracle be ready because the enemy wants to come but where where the enemy comes in the bible says like a flood god raises up a standard the devil always shoots himself in the foot every time the enemy has attacked me i come out better stronger with more faith with more expectation of what god is going to do and so be ready 
for your miracle. Be ready for the axe head to float. Be ready for whatever the enemy's thrown your way to try and hinder you from doing what God wants you to do. And then be willing to reach out to take your miracle. And so verse 7, he says, lifted out. Then the man reached out his hand and took his miracle. There are people here today that need a miracle. And the miracle can be before you. If I was to offer Pastor Rob a a million-dollar check, for him to have it, he'd have to take it off me. He can't just look at it. I'm saying, here's a million-dollar check. Now, it's a rubber check. It'll probably bounce a million miles high as well. But, But take the check at least, you know. Take it off me. Don't just look at it. But in the, the miraculous and the supernatural, we're going to say, God, you're leading me. I want to grow. And sometimes it's a step of faith. I need a miracle. I need you to break through in this area. But, Lord, I'm going to reach out and take it. I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to believe for you to do something amazingly supernatural. Why don't we stand right now? Every one of us today are called to grow, are called to mature. We never want to stagnate. When I was a young boy, there's behind us was a creek. And in that creek, as it went around a sort of big curve, a big bend, eventually it started going, broke through that big bend and created uh, what was called a billabong. And as kids, we'd go down to the billabong and there'd be tadpoles and we'd catch the tadpoles and that. But the river then closed the end of that billabong off and just kept flowing and the billabong stopped flowing and so it became really smelly there were a lot of muzzies a lot of green algae and stuff like that snakes around the place where we'd go down to this catching and eating the frogs and stuff and one day I was down there went to pick up a stick and the stick moved and it wasn't a stick after all it was a snake but it became a billabong because it got out of the river it stopped flowing and growing and we don't want to be billabong Christians we want to be Christians that are flowing with what God is doing moving with the Holy Spirit moving where the Holy Spirit is leading us not saying well I'm just gonna sit on my hands for the rest of my life I've done enough and God's called us to grow he's called us to expand in our lives and right where you are right now I want to encourage you maybe the Holy Spirit and this is not a sales pitch but I believe that as we've seen students graduate today, when they started out, some of them were thinking, I'm not sure if I could really do this. Some of them, as each subject, well, this seems too hard, I don't understand it, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to take the initiative. And now they're at the other side of that and celebrating. And so some people here that you've sort of felt, maybe I, I'd like to do that. I want to grow in my understanding of the Word and the understanding of ministry. Well, step out in faith. Take the initiative. Just do it one word at a time, one step at a time. There are other people here in your ministries and you're thinking, God, I just feel a little bit stale. I feel a little bit crammed. I'm getting a bit grumpy and agitated because you're not growing. Well, God's calling you to step out, take some initiative. What is it going to take for you to get the, the flow of the river again and flow with what God is wanting you to do? And so right where we are right now, I just want you, if you're feeling right now, God's saying to you and putting some things on your heart, like Elisha said, reach out and take it. 
I want you just to reach out your hand and say, God, I'm taking the initiative in a sense responding to what you're saying. I want to grow. I want to move forward. I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to be cramped and, and afflicted and, and in a sense feeling intense all the time. But Lord, I want to be in the flow of growth in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed right now, just hold up your hand, reach out and take hold of the things that God has for your life. As God spoke to Joshua and said, Arise, take hold of that, even that natural circumstances say is impossible. Step into the miraculous. Step in, take hold of the promises of God that God has for your life right now. So while your hands are raised right now, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit, not to... Just leave that on the surface of your heart, but to ingrain that into your heart, that you will know, that you'll know, that you know, this is my next step of faith in God. This is what God's calling me into. And so, Father, I thank you for all these hands that are raised, all these people that are saying, I haven't arrived yet. I need more. I need to grow. I need to expand. I need to get my log and bring that back into the kingdom and build something significant and miraculous and so lord i pray lord for your grace i pray for your holy spirit lord god to take lord god what you've been saying to people take it deeper than the surface of their hearts lord and let it be ingrained engraved on their hearts lord god that it could never float away in the name of jesus lord that they will rise up lord from today they will go from strength to strength Lord God, they will stretch the tent cords wider. Lord, they'll take hold of that, which is a passion in their heart. Lord God, they're going to keep believing for their loved ones to be saved. They're going to keep believing, Lord, for the ministries that you've called them to, to be fruitful and significant and life-changing in other people's lives, Lord. You're going to cause them, Lord God, to, to increase and prosper lord god and flow lord god not just financially but in every part of their lives lord god that people would look and say they're the best blessed person in town not because of finances but because of the grace of god and the smile of god on their lives and their fruitfulness in jesus name we thank you we thank you holy spirit you are amazing you are awesome amen